You're listening to Artistic Finance Show 84. On today's show, I chat with Greg Ludlow, who has taken and led the course Financial Peace University by Dave Ramsey. We discuss emergency funds, envelope budgeting, snowball debt payoff, and seven financial baby steps. If you enjoy this episode, please remember our fee for listening. That fee is to tell somebody about the show. Thank you in advance. And without further ado, let's get to the show. You're listening to Artistic Finance Podcast, where your host, Ethan Steimel, interviews successful artists, leaders, and investors to help educate and inspire artists to grow their wealth. Welcome and thank you for listening. I'm your host, Ethan Steimel, and today I welcome business owner, reseller, and Dave Ramsey expert, Greg Ludlow. Welcome, Greg. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. So we're recording this on January 4th, 2022. Omicron is infecting half the world. Uh, Over on the West End, Andrew Lloyd Webber has shuttered his Cinderella until February 9th. Mrs. Doubtfire on Broadway has shuttered for nine weeks, claiming that they would run out of money in three weeks if they didn't. And this is all on top of four Broadway shows that have shuttered for good already. Waitress, Thoughts of a Colored Man, Jagged Little Pill, and Diana. That's where we are in time and space. Greg, we're going to talk about saving and investing money for our lives. (laughs) But first, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Sure. Um, Again, my name is is Greg. I am a co-owner of Legacy Estate Sales here in Springfield, Missouri. I am also a full-time reseller, and then I am also debt-free due to the teachings of Dave Ramsey that has afforded me to, one, quit my, I would say, normal job to pursue um, owning my own business. Yeah, he has taught my family and I something that I did not learn in, in high school. I didn't learn in college and really didn't even learn it in my you know, in my family growing up. And that is how to be financially uh, literate. Uh, My wife and I, you know, we were close to $100,000 in debt. Saying that number just kind (laughs) of freaks me out a little bit. But uh, yeah, we were close to $100,000 in debt. And that didn't even include our our mortgage. That was just um, debt beside our our house. And I tell you, we, uh, we had every debt you could almost think of, credit card debts, uh, medical debt, car loans, student loans, you name it, we we had it. Now we're, you know, we're on the Dave Ramsey path of being able to live and give like no one else. That's amazing. So when you say debt-free, does that mean your mortgage is paid off or are you still paying off the mortgage? So, and, you know, we'll talk about this later. Dave has several steps. Yeah, you have Step two, which is getting rid of all of your debt with the exception of your your mortgage. That's that's a different step later in the process. So right now we have a, we're renting a house right now. Right now, I guess we're pretty much debt free because we don't we don't have a mortgage at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Although Nicole and I we rent, we've always rented. We always look at the rent as debt, though. Anyway, like we figure if we've signed a lease for a year, we look at that as debt. Which nobody else looks at it that way, but we do. We're like, well, that's an obligation we have. Uh, essentially, it's money that 
Yeah, and I would I would agree to some extent there. Yeah. yeah. But the our financial advisors always like, no, we don't count that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm keeping that number on there. Yes. You also said reseller. So what do you resell? So that was kind of a a side hustle. And again, we'll talk more about this. One of the ways to you know speed up that process of getting out of debt is to get some some side hustles or some extra income coming in um, from many different sources. And one of those that I I started was reselling. You know, you're buying something at this price and you're selling it for a higher price. That has turned into, you know, almost a full-time, I, I wouldn't even call it a job. It's something I enjoy doing. It's almost like a treasure hunting. So I, I enjoy doing it, um, but it's been uh, pretty lucrative for us. So uh, yeah, that was a side hustle that's kind of turned into almost a full-time job. I do own my own business. So this is a, a an estate sale business. So I don't know if you're familiar with that type of business. Maybe just describe it very briefly. Yeah. Essentially, you know, a lot of times someone has either passed away, unfortunately, or maybe they're downsizing, you know, going into an assisted living situation where they're they're leaving all their belongings. We go in and we sell everything inside of a house with the exception of the house. We don't sell the house, but you know, we just did one and it's a 80 year old um, lady that's going into an assisted living situated uh, situation. And um, you know, she has 80 years worth of stuff in her house that she cannot bring with her. That's where we step in. We sell everything through many different avenues. You know, she ends up with an empty house so she could sell it, ends up with some money along with that. Here's another icebreaker question for you. Can you describe your demographics? Well, I am a male. I am uh, 33 years old. Uh, I do have a birthday coming up here in a couple of weeks. So about to be 34. Happy early birthday. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You know, a lot of 34 year olds tell me it's the worst year of life. I, but don't, you know, don't be worried. I'm just, we'll see. That's what I hear. <laughs> I keep getting closer and closer to 40, and that number kind of scares me. Uh, not, not quite to that 40 yet. I know you're getting close, but uh, get out of here. Not quite get, get, there show yet. yourself to the door, please. <laughs> uh, but I am a Caucasian male. Uh, I am married to my beautiful wife, Sarah. Uh, we are high school sweethearts, been married for 10 years. Um, that happened this year. So that was a milestone for us to have a degree from Missouri State University in business administration. And again, I am uh, located here in Springfield, Missouri. What is a live event that you like to experience or a piece of art that you like? That is a great question. <laughs> um, I'll be honest with you, Ethan. I have a five-year-old daughter. My life revolves around uh, you know, PJ Masks, other things that are interesting to a five-year-old so i don't i don't know what that i don't know what that there means there you go maybe maybe one day you'll know but it's you're not missing out on much okay i'm just gonna repeat it to make sure i'm saying it pj masks yeah bluey have you heard of bluey i feel like that's my life right now is bluey like shim bluey something it's like something that something like that no something like that no i have not heard of i have not heard so, of bluey so that is my life right now so when i read thought about it and i'm like i honestly do not know because that is just out of <laughs> that is out of my focus right now. Easier question here. Are you good or bad with money? Well, that's that was kind of a hard question when I read that one. Um, I would like to say I am good, but then I started thinking, you know, you can always be better. So I'll just say this for myself. I'm better than what I was and striving to be better every day. All right. So now we're going to talk about Dave Ramsey, his financial steps and I just want to preface this by saying that you and I are not financial people. We are just two average Joes sitting here chatting about money. 
Dave Ramsey, we had Kathy Perkins in episode eight. So she mentioned Dave Ramsey and Susie Orman as people to follow for good, good advice. Um, also, Joe Longthorne on an episode about paying off credit card debt. He mentioned the snowball method, which I think is a Dave Ramsey method. Dave Ramsey, if you have an opinion about about him and his steps already, I still think this is a valuable conversation to listen to because I think 95% of what he says is good. So, Greg, what is Dave Ramsey? Who is Dave Ramsey? And why do you know all this stuff uh, that he teaches? Dave Ramsey, I, I think, you know, it's been 25 or, or close to 30 years, has helped people really just take control of their money. Um, they've helped them build wealth and enhance their lives financially. Dave also has a, uh, a radio program. Um, he does have an average of 18 million listeners per week. You know, this is not someone that has just popped up on the surface, you know, dispensing quick advice. You know, this is something that is a pretty much a, a tested program and has been for, for decades. You know, he, he's been established in what, what he said and his, uh, and his teachings. Um, he has also published many books. The most notable one, I would say, is The Total Money Makeover. And he has des- designed a course called Financial Peace University. That's a little bit about Dave Ramsey. And like I said, there's several steps, and we'll get into that here, of what, you know, he calls them the baby steps of how to, um, you know, in a nutshell, how to live and give like no one else. As far as my wife and I, why, why we know so much about him, we took his course, I guess, the Financial Peace University back in 2017. It was offered by our church. I, I have heard of who Dave Ramsey was, but just a, a name, didn't really know much about him. And I, you know, I would say he was offered through our church, but you know, I, I would say he is he is a uh, Christian, but by no means do you have to be Christian or anything. He doesn't, uh, you know, he doesn't hide his faith, but it has nothing to do with his teachings. We decided to take the class, and uh, you know, I'll be honest with you, Ethan. You know, little did we know when we decided to take that class, you know, our financial life would be changed forever. You know, we began um, a future from that point on of financial success. When they offered this program in church thinking who who in the heck is this guy you know (laughs) and the course was a hundred dollars and i'm thinking in my head you know i gotta pay this guy a (laughs) hundred dollars to teach me how to save money you know and that uh you know that didn't sit well with me at first so i started thinking you know that they did a little promo of the class and you know talked about debt and everything and i started thinking of how much debt I actually had. Because at the time, 2017, I, I didn't know. You know, I knew we had debt, but that was just kind of a, a number that you think of 20, 30 years from now when you're paying off student loans and car loans. And, you know, I didn't think it would be possible to ever live without a car loan, you know, so I, I never really figured up that number. And that's when I figured out that it was something like $95,000 of debt. And, and and again, that didn't include our house. So that that number scared me. So that's what really got me wanting to take the class to figure that out. And two, I was talking to my wife and again, it was a hundred dollars to take the class. We could not think of where we were, you know, how we would afford it. That was the thing. We're like, how we don't have a hundred dollars to pay for this class. And I'll just be honest with you. My wife and I at the time made very good incomes. We, you know, we had adult jobs on paper. We should be living very well. And then that was another thing that scared me. We were thinking, how could we pay a hundred dollars? You know, and that was another thing that kind of drove us to take the course. We're thinking if we can't even come up with a hundred dollars, we're more in trouble than what we think we are in. Um, those are the two reasons that got us to take the class. Um, and again, that started a whole journey 
you know, a couple years later in 2019, the church asked us if we would lead the class. And I tell you, that was a huge benefit, being able to not only go through the class again, but two, when you're leading the class and we're not teaching the class, you know, it's all through Dave Ramsey and we're just facilitating it essentially. But when you're held to that accountability, that kind of gives you another boost. I know it's a long answer to a short question, so I hope that uh, uh, covers it. Yeah, that that's great. So what is his method? So his method, there are seven baby steps. So I'd like to get into those a little bit, but before we do this kind of a, I call it almost a pre-step, something you want to do before you, you dive into the steps, that is to set up a budget. And I tell you, before I really dove into what a budget is, and again, I have a business degree. I, I understand budgets. I know all this. But when you're having a household budget, your own budget, it's, it's a totally different story. And it's easy for you to not know where your money is going. And that was exactly the situation that my wife and I found ourselves in. Again, on paper, we made, I don't know, six figures at the time or close to it. And we felt broke. And I'm like, how is that possible? The short answer to that is uh, our lack of budgeting. So budgeting, Dave, is, is key on that. You have to come up with a, a budget. And how Dave would, would go into the budget is a $0 budget or every dollar. You're going to give every dollar your household brings in a name. So you're going to tell exactly if you're going to go out to eat, you know that that is budgeted. Um, if you're going to save money, that's budgeted. If you're going to go buy clothes, that's budgeted. You know, so everything, you know, I think my wife and I, before we dove into this, you know, we knew our, our mortgage payment was this. We knew our car payment was that. But the rest of that, just kind of whatever was left over was free game for whatever. Didn't have a game for that, game plan for, for that. But that is, I would say, almost one of the most important steps is, is really hammering out your, your budget and knowing where every single dollar is going. Even if, again, if you want to use that money to buy coffee every morning, that's fine. You know, just acknowledging that because what my wife and I found out is, you know, we were spending way too much money um, going out to eat. Again, you know, I was I was a big coffee drinker, you know, just buying those little things that you think at the time don't add up. But over the course of a month, I mean, I tell you, we were a thousand dollars plus, you know, on the stuff that you think don't add up. So it's, it's those things that if you, if you're not intentional with that money, that money will just almost disappear from your, your bank account. And, so, and so when you took the class, did you do this pre-step? Did you set up this budget? Yes. And, and is that like part of the class yep. or is this something that you just did on your own? No, that is part of the class before you dive in, they help you. And there's a lot, Dave gives a lot of science behind the budget. Typically if you're a married couple, you have what's called a, a spender and a saver. There's just a, and that's a natural thing between two people. Someone naturally is going to spend more and someone is naturally going to save more. So they help you identify who that is in, in the relationship. And just being aware of that helps the whole situation out. Another thing on the budget he teaches, we didn't do this before. You know, we kind of had a, a rough budget that was good for every month. And that's just not practical. Each month, you're going to face different things. You're going to go on vacation. You're going to have birthdays. You're going to have Christmas. You know, each month requires a different budget. Um, and that, that is key. Two, you're going to have, or you need to have a, a budget meeting with your, with your partner every, every month. So you come up with a new budget every month. Obviously, the key things are going to stay the same. But again, those, 
those variables. You just want to be intentional with and plan out those those things from the next month. Then you and your partner are going to meet on that. You're both going to have your say, and you know one person may want to add or subtract or or whatever, you know. But once the budget is set, that's that's your budget for the next month. All right, I love that because we had my financial advisor on here, and he was saying him and his wife every year they have a uh, like a weekend or whatever. Uh, I don't know what you call that, a meeting where they go over the budget and everything, but that's only once a year. You're saying once a month, which is incredible. I, I think talking about money is so important. Um, even if the meeting goes disastrously wrong, <laughs> it, it gives you something to measure against. And the other thing I just love that you just said was each month needs a different budget because that's always been one of those frustrating things for us. And the way we've dealt with it is even if the vacation is going to be here, 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 we add that up and then average that over the 12 months. But if we did a separate monthly budget, then that would figure that self out. I, I never really thought about just do a whole different budget for the new month. Yeah, and that's <laughs> and that's part of your budget. You know, we have a Christmas fund because we have, again we have a five year old, and that's you know comes to be a big expense. So each month we're we're saving you know fifty to hundred bucks or whatever you know we want to do, um, but we're allocating that money. For Christmas, you know, by the time we get to Christmas, um, that money is already there. We don't have to use a credit card or whatever to to fund Christmas. And, and I'm just using Christmas as an example. But well, and and another thing, and I guess you're a business owner, so you probably have this varying income. Yes, a lot of our listeners are freelancers, and so another frustrating thing with budgets is that well, one month we have X amount of money, the next month we might have more or less, and that's always a frustrating thing. But we could still, if we're doing this monthly budget, the income can vary too. I'm sort of loving this new budget every month. <laughs> yeah, my income varies just because it just, you know, it's based on the business that I, you know, get and everything. I no longer receive a paycheck every couple of weeks or whatever. So we know exactly how much I need to make each month. And that's what's budgeted in. So one month, um, I may do very well. I'm just throwing out numbers here. If, if I only need to make $3,000 a month or whatever for my portion, and I make you know $10,000 in a month, obviously I'm only going to use that 3,000 and that 10,000 or the rest of that 10,000 is going to you know go into the next few months. So it helps break things down. In your notes, you had written envelope system. What is the envelope system? So once you've established, and you know you've kind of alluded to this, whenever you first start doing this with your your partner, and and I would say too, if you're not married or don't you, know, you don't have a significant other, I would suggest get a friend, a family member, someone that can be that counterbalance to your budget and, you know, help you on the right path. Because sometimes just a, another person looking at it will help. Um, but whenever you get that number established for the next month. So again, I'm just going to throw out some numbers here. If you say your grocery budget for the next month is $100 a week. If you go grocery shopping once a week, that's what we do. Say your budget is $100 a week you're going to get out $100 cash and put that in an envelope. You know, you're going to have an envelope for each different category. You know, we've had an envelope for gas, clothing, um, date nights, groceries. You know, if you want to go out to eat or coffee, you know, all that money. Again, you're giving every dollar that you are getting for the next month, you're giving that dollar a name. And then once you have a name, you're going to put, get it out in cash and put it in envelopes. Whenever we first started doing this, again, just throwing out numbers here, if we said our, our budget for groceries is $100 per week, we get to the grocery store, we get up to the counter, it's $110. Well, 
but we only have $100 cash. So we got to take away $10 worth of stuff. It's very easy to, when you're not using cash, to just say, oh, whatever, $10 or $20, whatever the extra is, you're swiping it on a card. There's no, uh, Dave calls it friction when you use a card. It's very easy. And that is not by accident. They make that intentionally to where you don't feel that transaction. When you get the cash out, you know, that, that adds a different you know, perspective to that cash. You know, if you go in with $100, that's all you have. And you got to have that mindset to start winning with money. You know, my sister, I have lots of sisters, sisters for days. So I won't say which one, but one of them was doing the envelope system for a while. And I'm now realizing they must have been doing the Dave Ramsey method. Must be. It's almost <laughs> freeing, too. And I'll just say this, too. When, you know, before we got a budget and everything, if I wanted to go out and buy a new pair of pants or something, yeah, you know, I almost like felt guilty. You know, I'd go out and put it on a credit card or something, I have to come home, tell the wife, hey, I bought this, you know. But once, once you planned and budgeted for that money and that money is there, it's, it's almost freeing. People think a budget is restrictive, but I view it as permission to spend. It, you, there's no longer those fights. There's no longer those things because you've already allocated that money for that. And it's, it's, there's no temptation when you're using cash. That's, you have that amount of cash. So it makes it easier for us. Okay, so we've done our budget and we have maybe are using the envelope method. Are we ready for the baby steps? Yes. All right, what are they? <laughs> there's seven baby steps. Um, so baby step one is save $1,000 for a starter emergency fund. That is baby step one. And these steps, you do one before you do the next. You're not mixing two or three steps. You know, it's, it's just very in order. Baby step one, get $1,000 for an emergency fund. Um, baby step two is what Dave calls the debt snowball. You're going to list all your debts with the exception of your house. Credit card debts, medical debts, loans, whatever, every debt you owe besides your mortgage. And you're going to list all those out. Uh, in dollar amounts from smallest to, to largest. And you're going to attack the uh, the smallest one first. And, you know, we could, we could get into that here in a little bit, but that's the debt snowballs is listing out all your debts and, and, and really paying off all your debts with the exception of your house. Baby step three is now you're going to complete, now that your debt is paid off, you're going to finish your emergency fund. You're going to fully fund your emergency fund. So baby step one is just a thousand dollars. Baby step three is you're going to get a larger emergency fund of three to six months worth of expenses. So that's that's baby step three. Baby step four is this is when you're going to start investing and you're going to invest 15% of your household income in retirement. Uh, baby step five is saving for your children's college or grandchildren or whatever. Or if you don't have any children, you pass that on. Baby step six is now when you start paying off your house. And then the last step is now you're, you're building wealth and you're giving. Dave's big, big motto, if you've listened to him, is live and give like no one else now. So later you can live and give like no one else. That means right now you may, you know, to, to really attack this, you may have to forego the new car or, you know, whatever that is in your life. You know, your friends may be in a house they can't afford or driving a car they can't afford or doing this or that, that just to impress the Joneses, you know, per se. And the idea is you're not going to do that now. But later, once you've gotten your, your finances in order, later at that point, now you can live and give like no one else can. Awesome. All right. That sounds pretty simple. Uh, <laughs> now, can I ask you, because 
because you said you do these steps one along, and I noticed that number six is paying off your mortgage, and number five is saving up for your ch child's college. Um, have you saved for your child's college? So are you at number six yet, or where are you in these steps? So this is 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 a marathon. It's not a uh, it's not a sprint. This is something that's going to take. You know, it's going to be different for each individual. Again, my wife and I we had a hundred thousand dollars in debt. So step two took almost four years to get rid of a hundred thousand dollars of debt. So we just finished up baby step two, which is getting rid of all your debt. And now we are in baby step three, which is saving up for three to six months worth of expenses. We are on baby step three. Okay. Step three, saving up an emergency fund. That's always when you look up how to get good with your finances, saving the emergency fund is always near the top of the list. And that one for the longest time was really hard. And it was like always so overwhelming and I would skip forward to other steps because I was like, it's going to take me forever to save up the emergency fund. I'm just curious, do you have a number that your emergency fund wants to be? Like you're on this step number three. Do you have a number that like once we reach X amount, what is that number? So that's going to be different for each. That's going to be different for each family. You know, so you're going to figure out, okay, what is, so for you and Nicole, what is one month of your expenses? You know, if you take everything you know, how much does it cost you guys to live for one month? Whatever that number is, you want three to six months of that. And this is for your true emergencies. You know, baby step one, that's kind of, that's going to stop the bleeding. So getting a thousand dollars, that's going to stop the bleeding of using credit cards, which we could get into that later. That's going to, if you have a tire that goes out or some sort of semi-emergency that pops up, you have that money already allocated. You don't have to put that on a credit card or go, you know, start the, the process over again. That's the idea of step one. Okay. So I'm just, I'm just going to say, I'm really into numbers here. So, uh, I'm not good with numbers, but I like talking about them, but Nicole and I, $6,000 a month, six, 12, 18,000 would be three months. And then 36,000 is six months. So I'm just saying that number, because even if you're not living in New York city, if you're living, let's say in Springfield, Missouri, I'm thinking the most minimum to live would be like 2000 a month, right? Yeah, it's going to be different for everybody, but I would say we're close to you guys in that number. You know, I'm sure we could all scrimp and save and everything, you know. At, at your current at your current level, whatever your current level is. But I mean, even I'm just trying to think even the bare bones living is probably 2000 a month. So 2 4 6000, so 12000 would in theory be 6 months of living. Yeah, 3 to 6 months, whichever one you are comfortable with you know our goal is to get six months six months <laughs> yeah our goal is to get like three to four months you know that's our goal but uh you know again whatever you feel comfortable with and you know our our number is probably 15 to twenty thousand, somewhere in that range that's a number that we would feel comfortable with and again that is for that is for when someone loses a job when something drastic happens in your life and they say one of those life events happens about once every 10 years in your life it's almost you know what's going to happen so, and I've been in, in that situation where it's happened and I didn't have it. And it's, it's a scary point. I love that you just said it happens once every 10 years. COVID happened. And this show, the listeners are mostly live events people. And that event <laughs> affected all of us big time. We, nobody saw COVID coming, but we all knew that something like that would guaranteed happen in our lives. We didn't know it would happen to everybody all at the same time. Of course, exactly what you're saying. That's what the big emergency fund is for, is for that you don't panic. Well, you're going to panic no matter what. Sure. But I know well, I, I've lost my job before and I didn't have savings. And I tell you, when you're when you're applying for a job and you're 
already living paycheck to paycheck. They're just that you become desperate at that point. And I feel like that that shows on you. So when I'm ready for a point, then we're close to that point where, you know, if I lose my job or, or right now, if I choose not to take a job for a month or two, I'm okay. You know, it, it just, you can breathe a little bit better uh, knowing that you have, you've prepared for that situation. And I also love about these baby steps that number one is saving up a small emergency fund. I think that advice would have helped me early on because I just skipped the emergency fund step period because I w it was so overwhelming to me. But had I had that little baby step, that would have held, helped me feel better. So I like that, that the emergency fund is two different steps. One, just like very basic thing for, I guess, incidentals in a way, like you have a doctor's appointment, you, you're covered, you don't have to worry about it. I just really like that, that it's broken up into so where the, the bigger one is later. And this, this again, ties into the budget, because when you start thinking of uh, things that you consider an emergency, I used to consider, oh, a tire goes out, an emergency. So now, you know, my old self, I would have not have prepared for that. Um, I need new tires now. So there goes 500 to $800 or whatever that is on a credit card because I wasn't ready for it. You know, again, if we if we take a step back, we know our tires are going to go out. We know something's going to happen to our car. We know there's going to be a medical expense. Those are not, in all reality, an emergency. So that, that again, kind of shifts back on your budget and the, and the envelopes, too. You know, we have a car envelope that we know something's going to happen to our cars at some point. So we put, I don't know, 50 bucks a month or something for that. So whenever something does happen, again, it's not an emergency. But for those emergency funds, something that you can't really budget for or something that's beyond your your monthly budget. That's where those emergency funds uh, come into play. All right. So step two there, paying off all debt except your home, so your mortgage. Debt is a recurring theme on this show. A lot of people caution against credit cards and credit card debt. You know, be very, very wary with credit cards because a lot of people have gotten in trouble with them. This debt, though, but I see that paying off the debt comes before saving for retirement, which is step four. How are you working that out? Like, are you not saving for retirement yet because you're on step three? Again, yep, these, these steps do go in order. So that is intentional. Yes. Yeah, so if you're going through these steps, you are going to temporarily pause. If you're contributing to your 401k, you're going to pause everything and be, Dave calls it gazelle intense on each step. Right now, our, in the past, I'd tell you, $100,000 was a huge feat, you know, a huge number. You know what I mean? We were trying to do five different things at once. We were trying to save money. We were trying to pay off debt. You know, we were trying to invest. We were trying to do everything. And when you do five things at one time, you're not doing any one of those things very well. His mentality is you're going to do one thing at a time and you're going to give it your all. I would say four years to get out of baby step two is a long time, but a hundred thousand was a big number, you know? So some people, they only have 30,000 of debt or whatever, you know? So it just, it all, it's going to depend family by family. So yes. And that's intentional. You want to get rid of all that debt before you start investing. So when you get to investing, you can give investing the full justice that it requires. And just a question about your debt, 95000 was that student loans? And, and, and what order? Because I assume you did the snowball thing. So what order did it work out for you? Yes. Yeah, so the snowball, you're going to, again, you're going to list all your debts out. And if you have student loans, there are many different student loans. You're going to list them all, all out. And you're going to attack your smallest one first. 
Um, some people, and I, I thought of this when I first started is, well, shouldn't I be attacking the one with the biggest interest rate first? That would save me the most amount of money in the long run. But at this point, it's not really a numbers game. It's a mentality. If we were thinking in numbers, we, I wouldn't have been in the mess that I was in, in the first place of getting up to 100000 of debt. So um, at this point, it's a mentality of knocking that out as quickly as possible. So Snowball, you're going to get your, your lowest one, which I think was some just like credit card debt. We had several credit cards. It was probably $1,000, the lowest one or something. So we're going to do minimum payments on everything else. Every extra penny we have is going to attack that smallest debt. And then once you knock that out, you take what you were paying towards that. And then you you just keep snowballing it up to your largest. A lot of our smaller debts were, again, credit cards. I think we had like 5000 in medical debt. We had two car loans. Um, and then my wife's uh, student debt. That was the, the biggest one. Okay. All right. So then step four, save for retirement, 15%. I figure if you get to step four, you're living pretty well at that point. Because then I see five and six are paying off college or children's college or saving for your children's college and then paying off your mortgage. At step four, saving for retirement, moving forward, you're always saving that 15%, right? Like that's part of your marathon. Like that's just always ongoing. A minimum. Again, once I, when I started doing this, or before Dave Ramsey, I guess, you know, I was doing 401k through my work. And I think they, they did a match of like 3% or something. So I was doing my 3%. They were matching 3%. So we're at 6%. And if you do that number over the course of your life, you know, that, I mean, that's going to be a decent number, but not the numbers that you really want to have by the time you retire. When I retire, I don't know about you, but I want to be, I want to be pretty well off. You know, I want to be a millionaire by the time I retire. What, is that a goal for you? Is I, That's a goal for me. Billionaire. <laughs> hey, there you go. Even bigger. <laughs> no, no. Multi-million is no. fine. Multi-million is fine. Yeah. 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 Tell you, by these teachings, you could be a custodian. You could be a mailman. You could be a, a teacher. You could be a truck driver. You could be anything. And if you follow these, these simple steps, you could be a millionaire by the time you retire. Dave also had another study of, he called it the everyday millionaire. Now I'm kind of getting off on a, on a different subject here, but most, I think it was, he said eight or 79% of millionaires did not inherit money, which that was a big thing to me. I thought, oh, these millionaires, oh, their family gave them money or something. 79% of millionaires today didn't inherit it. And uh, most of these millionaires were teachers, were just everyday folk. So that, that inspired me from the beginning. So um, if you follow these steps, like I said, you can be set up by the time you by the time you retire. So I feel like we covered the steps well enough, but I just want to, number seven is building wealth and giving. So I assume that's just once you're pretty set, all debts are paid, et cetera, then it's just about accumulating more. And then what's the giving part? Um, yeah, so the building more wealth. So that, that 15% investing is a, you know, kind of a minimum. You know, at this point, if you want to be more riskier in your investments, this is the time that you have that extra money to really do what you want you know you're like you said you're you're at this point you're living pretty well off so continuing to build wealth at that point and giving two types of people in this world we have people that give and people that receive you know that's a that's a fact and i think we've all been in both sides of that in many points of our life dave shows the importance of of giving and that that has been a big thing with me again i'm you know i've i've grown up in a christian household i would consider myself a christian but even beyond religion. I think when you're able to give to society or to whoever, um, that, that, that helps you grow, you know? So quick little story on this, whenever we're going through this, 
the steps and one of our budget, we, we budget giving money. You know, that's through many different avenues. And one of it is just to give to people, just like random blessings. That's what we call it. You know, we went out to eat, my wife and I, and, and again, I, I don't want to come across that I'm bragging because it's my someone else's standards. This is about a little money, you know. We, we went out to dinner. I think our dinner was 30 bucks or something. I don't know. And then we tipped the waitress $100. And we tried to do this. Uh, you know, we, we tried to do it and get out as quickly as possible. We do not want it for the recognition. That is not the purpose. We were getting into the car and this lady came running out to our car in tears. With, we didn't know, but she was pregnant. And she said she had a doctor's bill that was $100 that she didn't know how she was going to pay. So I, we enjoy doing that. And, you know, you hear stories where someone bought someone a car and, you know, I want to be that person when I grow up, you know, uh, I want to afford to do that. And it's hard to do that whenever you, if you can't control your own finances, it's hard to give to organizations, charities, or things that you believe in um, when, when your own finances are not in order. That, that is awesome. And I listen to a lot of podcasts, go figure. And one, every Christmas, they do an episode where they just the listeners donate money, right? And then they just give it to people. Like they, they sort of say like, who do, who do we know that needs it? And they give it to people and then they talk to the people about whatever, for whatever reason they need it. And I just love those episodes because it's just so heartwarming. And so obviously the person receiving it is getting something out of it, but also the people giving it, I think also are getting something emotional and worthwhile out of it too, even though they're parting with their money, but they're getting something wonderful. And I think study after study shows that giving is like really good for you. <laughs> yeah. And and I'll be honest, before before doing Dave's course, you know, that I kind of thought the other way of about money. I and I wanted to receive money. I, I I guess it was more greed, you know, because I thought of money differently. Money was something that was not always there, you know. But once once you start viewing money and getting control of your finances, yeah, it just it gives you a whole different perspective on on money. And never would I be able to tip someone a hundred dollars. You know what I mean? And again, that's not a huge number, but it changed that, that girl's life that day. And it just felt, felt good giving versus receiving. Now at this point in my life is, is funner to, to give it versus receive, which that may not have always been the case for me. Right, right. Yeah. I think we've all been different areas of that spectrum, but I, yeah, I think giving is always better. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So now let's talk about uh, the Dave Ramsey investing strategy. So I am not technically on that step yet, but he is big on mutual funds. That's his, his big thing. And he has, he has what's called uh, smart investor pros. It's people that uh, you could go in, in pretty much any town that know Dave Ramsey, his teachings anyway, and that could help you go through this. So this is something that you could do totally on your own. Uh, but there are people out there that can help you do what he states. So I know there, there's a million different ways you can invest. I think what Dave teaches is something that anybody can do. You know, it's something that, again, it, it doesn't matter how much you make. This is something you can do. And it has a very good track record of building wealth. Okay. You know what I love about his strategy? The baby steps are very easy and they're actionable and they will work. Absolutely. Because what I'm hearing out of that is go get help. Get somebody who knows what they're doing and have them help you invest. Yeah, he, he has many books. You know, his big thing is getting out of debt. You know, that's that's the first part of Dave Ramsey, I would say. But the second part is building wealth. And he has written many books on, on that as well. Um, again, I'm not 
quite there yet, almost. Well, okay, so you sent me a link, and I'll put the link in the show notes, and it's to his investing strategy. And I'm looking across it, and he has a big green check mark on mutual funds, and then he has a big red X over these things, bonds, fixed annuities, stocks, certificates of deposits, variable annuities, exchange-traded funds, REITs, cash value or whole life life insurance, and separate account managers. His thing really is just mutual funds. And I am partial to ETFs and REITs. So when I first see that, I'm like, well, I don't really agree with that. But that's okay. Yeah, and this, you know, <laughs> if you've listened to his, his show, you know, Dave has a lot of people that call his show to tell Dave how he should invest his money. And Dave's like, hey, you could do whatever you want to do with your money. But you call my show, so I'm going to tell you what, what I have a proven concept of. And again, this is stuff that, you know, it's not, uh, Dave will even say this, this isn't uh, super exciting. You know, this is pretty down to earth investing that again, anybody can do it. That if you follow this process, you will grow your, your wealth. I really like it. I like its simplicity because something we say on this show a lot is like, say you invest wrong, you pick something wrong. You, you don't like, if you gave it to a financial advisor, maybe they would grow it 15% and you grew it 3%. Like that's a mistake, right? You want something that grows more. But the important thing is just like with Dave Ramsey, it's like paying off the debt and saving and investing is the important part. If your investing still isn't perfect, you're taking the big steps that are correct. That's half the battle right there is just doing. And he teaches you, like you said, simple ways. And Dave Ramsey's program, it, it's not, I wouldn't call it easy because it's, it's definitely, it takes work and it takes a different mindset. But it's very simple, very doable. It's just a matter of can you do it or are you willing to, to do it? That's, that's the big thing. And the debt is also a huge thing we've talked about a lot. But it's like once you're out of debt, if you can just stay out of debt, you are doing so much better than half the world. <laughs> yeah. And I know this is a, a topic you know, that, that we were going to bring up is, is credit cards. You know, there, was, there was a point where I, I did not think it was possible to live without a credit card. I, I didn't think that was a thing. And I could tell you, we've been many years where we don't even have a credit card. You know, I used to think, oh, gosh, what if uh, something happened and I needed that? But, you know, it's like you plan for that. And that's where the emergency fund comes in. But this, it is possible to live without a credit card. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a millennial, same as you, 33. I also thought it was impossible to live without a credit card. And then I started the show. And on episode two, we had an actor named Chuck Cooper. And he said, oh, yeah, I just didn't have a credit card for a long, long time. And I was like, what do you mean? No credit card. He goes, yeah, I just didn't have one. He's like, if I couldn't afford it, I couldn't pay for it. Like I just didn't. <laughs> and, and so the, and then um, that was episode two. Episode 39 was Cookie Jordan, who's a makeup and wig designer. And she didn't have a credit card until she wanted to buy a house. For some reason, she needed um, credit or something. And so she just went and got a credit card then. But, up in, but that's the only reason she got a credit card. So anyway, so I'm just here to say that I have talked to people with no credit cards and it is possible even in 2022 that's right i remember being 18 walking around missouri state campus where i graduated and there'd be tables out there people giving you whatever to sign up for the credit card and i fell into that trap you know before i knew it i had you know 500 worth of debt then it grew to a thousand and two thousand and i think by the time i graduated college i had something like five or six thousand dollars of credit card debt and it was just the piddly stuff that I bought while I was in college. It, I mean, I could I couldn't show you anything that I bought with that, but I was making a sizable payment every month for stuff that I couldn't 
show you what it was for. Um, all right, you sent me another link called the investment calculator. What is that? That is, so I came up with some numbers here. Let me pull that up. We got a numbers guy on the show. <laughs> we got a numbers guy. <laughs> Whenever you go through this course, you start to think of things. Like I said, you could be a janitor. You could be whatever. Really, it doesn't matter what your income is. You could be an artist, perhaps. You could be an artist. Even you could be Ethan Steimel. And by the time you retire, <laughs> you can be a millionaire. You know, so I looked at some numbers here. The average income for uh, the United States in 2021 was roughly $67,000. So if you do you have that calculator pulled up in front of you? The calculator with me? Yes. Okay, so I'll put in my age, 33. 33. This is a great calculator. The age, I want to retire, it says 67. I'm going to lower that. Is that all right? To 63? Well, I think 67 is the is the common year. So let's just leave that for 67 right Fine. now. Fine. I'll leave it 67 <laughs> back up. Great. You're going to be a billionaire, so I'm sure you're going to retire much sooner than 67. How much money do you currently have in investments? I don't I don't know if I want to say that right now. Let's just say zero. Okay, zero. Perfect. Let's just Thank say you, zero. Right? You have yep. nothing. You're starting today. And again, the household... Um, income for 2021 in America was 67,000 uh, 67, roughly. That comes out to about 15%, comes out to about $844 per month. So you would put that, how much you are contributing monthly is $844. Oh, is 15% of that? Is that what you just said? 15% of that broke out monthly. Got it. And then Dave shows the average rate of return. He invests in mutual funds that have strong decades of growth on average 12%. So that's what we put in there. Can I put in 10%? You could put it whenever you want to put in. I'm, I'm going to put in 10%. Well, let's just say I have 12 in. I've already hit calculate. So 12%, you would retire if you started today. And if you got 12%, would come out to 4,800,000. That's just the average, the average, you know, people give Dave like, where, you know, where's 12%, which it's out there. I mean, that is, it's there, but say, say he's half wrong. Say Dave's crazy and it's like, hey, it's six percent. Put that in there. A million, a million dollars. You're still a million. Yeah, and ten percent was three million. Yep. Six percent is one million. There you go. So, and six percent that seems very safe to me. I'm very conservative in my estimations. Well, six percent would be very conservative, but there you could look out and there there are many mutual funds that have higher than twelve percent. You know, thirteen, fifteen, uh, and we're talking a twenty or thirty year average of that. So good track record mutual funds. Obviously, we both know you're not looking at any of these in a day, a week, a year. You're looking at many years. Dave always looks at five years at a time, you know, because in a day, things can change. But over the course of time, you're going to average about 10 to 12. Change change the age. Imagine if when you did this at 18 years old. So go up there, change it. Change it to you did this. You turned eighteen. No, don't don't make me do this. Don't don't make me do this. I don't want to do that. Right, I'm gonna do it. Okay, now I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Eight 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 eighteen, <laughs> eight eight eighteen years. Do I change eight hundred eighty four a month? Sure. Can I lower that? Sure. Yeah. What do you think? You know, what could you do as an eighteen year old? I'll say four hundred a month. Yeah, I think that'd be pretty. I don't think I could do that at eighteen. Can I lower it to two hundred? Is that even crazier? Well, let's say two hundred. Yeah. Okay. Two hundred, starting at eighteen. I'm do. I'm sticking with six percent return because I'm. That's how I roll. Okay. Well, I'm going to do twelve because that's the that's the average. Okay. Fine. Okay. What was what's the number? And that comes to six million nine hundred thirty thousand. If you started at age eighteen and you only did two hundred dollars a month, now imagine that eighteen. That might be tough. But by the time you're 33 and almost a billionaire, Ethan Stimel, 
$200 is, is not a lot. Imagine, and again, I start, I start doing all this. Instead of Social Security, imagine if the government at age 18 gave you $2,000. So, so go up there to how much money you have currently invested, change that to $2,000, and then change your monthly to zero. They're just going to give you $2,000 and that's it. Now calculate that. 12% would be 695000 Again, That's a whole other topic, but all these other programs, if we just if they gave us a lump sum of that at 18 years old and just said, hey, by the time you're retired, that's what it's going to be, um, I think that would be a, a life changer for many of America. So what I'm hearing is that if there are any, if there's anybody listening that has grandkids oh, yes. <laughs> or children, take $2,000 right now and give it to them and invest it and say, don't touch that until you retire. And you've just, you've just given them almost a million dollars. Yeah. Okay. Noted. Everybody hear that? Let me know when you've done it. Write into artistic finance podcast at gmail.com to let me know you did that. Have your grandkid write into me in 50 years to let me know that it indeed did grow to a million dollars. The show has to now last for 50 years. I like this calculator just to, it shows you, you know, things, that that you could be doing and things that I wish that we were taught. If they would have told me, hey, put two thousand dollars in now and by the time you retire, that's gonna be almost a million dollars. I think we'd all say, okay, you know, but that's not the way we're taught to think. Here here's something really frightening. I accidentally hit something on the computer and the eight hundred and eighty four dollars uh at a twelve percent return, if you started that when you were eighteen, by sixty seven you'd have thirty million dollars. Now, no, I don't know how many people at 18 can be contributing almost $1,000 a month, but man, it's crazy. If you could, so do, one last down. thing, one last thing. Change it, change <laughs> it. It's funny how the, the compounding interest change. Change it to 40. Say you're currently 40 years old and you're doing $844 a month and you have nothing. You're starting today and you're 40. Okay, yep, and I'm 12% return. That calculates out to $2 million at 67. And that was $7 million before. That's seven years. Yeah, seven years made a $4 million difference. It's definitely something that uh, we want to get on as early as possible. And I do want to point out that these numbers are all amazing and they are reminding us that we do need to be saving and investing. But the, the very key when we got to 3 million, so if you're 33 and you start putting $884 a month in, and if you get a 12% return, you're going to get to 3 million by the time you're 67. The key there that everyone needs to pay attention to is the $884 a month. You have to be putting in money every month. It doesn't work if you're not putting that in. So even if you, let's say you could put $400 a month. So if you could get $100 a week, you're not going to get to $3 million, but presumably you'd get to a million and a half or something. Wait, I can enter that in. You Hang can. on, I'm going to do that. So that comes to $2.5 million. So just if you can't put $800 a month away starting right now, if you could put 425, you can still get to 2 million in, what is that, 43, 53, 63, in about 30 or so years. So I just wanted to point out that the, that you have to be putting money in every month. That's a very key there. <laughs> Greg, this was awesome. That calculator, I could play around with all day long. That was a lot of fun. Thank you for showing that to me. So my thing, last thing on that is that, that's an average household income of $67,000. So that's two people making just over $30,000 a year, you know, which I think is very doable. So a lot of people think, you know, I will never be a millionaire. I'll never be, you know, I, that'll never be me. And the thing is, it can be, but you have to, one, start as early as you can, you know, but two, you have to just start making 
positive choices with the money that you have and being intentional with the money that you have. Yeah. And, and the starting, I mean, you showed us that every year of delay is not good. Start, starting now, like start yesterday, start today. Enable to get to that number that you need to do is 15%. I could not have done that number prior to me getting rid of my debt. Basically, my income was my outgo. That's what we called it. You know, every dollar I brought in was going out to car loans, credit cards, everything. So I had no money to invest. Clearing out the debt gets you to the number that you could invest to get to the numbers that you need by the time you retire. If anybody's listening right now and they are not saving for their retirement, let me encourage you to do so. All right. Um, if someone is still ashamed of their financial picture, like they're listening to this and they know that we're saying good things and they know that they need to get address their their financial issues or just, you know, maybe they're not in trouble, but they know they should be better with their finances and need to work on it. Is there anything you can say to encourage them to do so? It's never too late. You know, I found myself in that exact position. I look down and I'm like, man, I have $100,000 of debt. How am I going to pay that off? And I'm sure there's people out there with more debt. And I'm sure there's people, a lot of people out there with, with less debt. So, you know, I... I we, we've had people know, on this show with $200,000 of student loans, just student yeah. loans. And that's that's terrible, you know. <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, it, it's one thing, and this is another subject. If you, if you have 200000 of student loans, and you're making 500,000 a year, that's one thing. But if you have 200,000 student loans and you're making 40,000 a year, you know, that's that's a different story. And then this is a course that if you're in that position or really any position will tell help you get out of that position. It may you know, again, this is a marathon, so it is by no means a get rich quick. This is quite the opposite. Um, this will be hard work and determination, but if you do it, it, it can be done. What we're doing and what I've done in the past and what a, what a lot of us in America have done is just normal. It's normal to buy a house that you can't afford. You know, it's normal to have a car that you can't afford, you know, car payments. It's normal to be up your eyeballs in, in debt and have credit cards and everything. That has been normalized in our culture. And Dave would say, hey, in a world full of normal, be weird. Be that weird person that doesn't have a car loan. We just, this is the weirdest experience. My wife and I, we just paid cash or wrote a check basically for a car. And we have never done that before in our lives. And that was just the most surreal experience that we have ever done. I, I never thought that would be possible. But again, if someone like myself uh, can do it, anybody, anybody can do it. You just have to do it. And that's half the battle. It's just making that decision that you're going to do it. That is awesome. I love that you said, be weird. I know my industry, I know the people that listen to this show, and I would say that we embrace weird. Perhaps we are weird, <laughs> uh, but, we're, but we're weird in the artsy sense, but I like what you're saying is be weird in the financial sense. Like if you're an artist, you can be weird. You can be a weird artist and be financially responsible. Like that would be weird for artists, but you're already weird anyway. <laughs> In the good way, in the good way. So just be a little weirder and also be fiscally responsible. Ooh, I love it, Greg. Yep. Let's all be weird. That's a new normal. All right, Greg, <laughs> final question for you. Where can people connect with you? Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. I am there, Greg Ludlow. Also find me on Facebook. Anyway, I'd be happy if you have any questions regarding Dave Ramsey or or just where to start, I'd be happy to give you some resources or at least give you my 
advice on what to do. It may not be worth much, but I, I'm happy to help. So if anybody has any questions, uh, please feel free to reach out to me. Uh, you can find links to his profiles in the show notes. Greg, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. That's it for this week's episode. My takeaway is that I have some personal aversion to the Dave Ramsey method. However, different people benefit from different advisors, and all in all, the Dave Ramsey method will get you out of debt and on the road to wealth. So what I like about the Dave Ramsey method. So first, making a budget. It all starts with being aware. Next, a budget should change month to month. So for freelancers, that's perfect because income isn't consistent each month. Saving $1,000 as a starter emergency fund, then tackling debt, then a real emergency fund, that makes saving the emergency fund much more actionable. Having a monthly meeting with an accountability partner. There's nothing like accountability or a class to drive action. Insurance. Do invest in insurance a little bit more so that you can feel a lot more safe. 15% of your income being saved for retirement. That falls in line with most recommendations. No credit cards. I personally have an aversion for cards, so I'm all for this. Though, full disclosure, I have and use credit cards. But most importantly, I love that the steps are easy. When I'm doing my exercise videos, my girl Lita Lewis says, if it's easy, we don't want it. But in our financial life, easy, effortless, and automated are the keys to the castle. Now, what I don't like about the Dave Ramsey method, the push for financial advisors. As Miata Adoga said in episode 52, with a little bit of research and study, anybody can know what to do with their investments. I'd also suggest David Box, the automatic millionaire, for a roadmap on how to build wealth on your own. The push for mutual funds. I'm not opposed to mutual funds. In episode 59, David Martin Jacques talked about how his financial advisor showed some mutual funds are lower cost than ETFs. From what my financial advisor has said and from what Warren Buffett says and the research that I've done, low-fee ETFs outperform actively managed mutual funds. Not saving for retirement until debt is paid off. I get the psychology of that, but I think everybody should open a Roth IRA at the youngest age possible and start investing for their retirement. Now, a 12% annual stock market return. In a way, it doesn't matter what number you plug in because reality is going to do what reality is going to do. But never have I ever come across any financial professional who expects such a high return. And for the Dave Ramsey radio show... I personally don't care for the bully abrasive tactics. I get that it sells books and gets more people listening and therefore more people improving their finances, but it is just a huge turnoff for me. So what do you think? Did Greg sell you on taking Financial Peace University? Did we leave anything out or gloss over anything? Let us know by commenting on LinkedIn or email me at artisticfinancepodcast at gmail.com. You may have noticed that I mentioned insurance, but you didn't hear that during the interview. That's because Greg and I had another 25 minutes of the conversation. That is over on Patreon at patreon.com slash artistic finance. I invite you if you have made it to baby step seven, or if you have money allotted in your giving budget, to become a patron of artistic finance. Patrons have access to outtakes as well as early releases of the episodes, Tiers start at $3 a month, and you can cancel anytime. You can sign up at patreon.com slash artisticfinance. 
And if you aren't ready to join, the outtakes are always available for free if you just email me at artisticfinancepodcast at gmail.com. I always appreciate you paying the fee for listening, which is to tell somebody about the show. That's it for today. Until next time, break a leg. Thank you for listening to Artistic Finance. Make sure to subscribe. To access our show notes, transcripts, or resources, go to artisticfinance.com. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decision, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by Artistic Finance. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.